Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word.
It's important that we stay in contact with you, so we have connection cards in the seat back pockets in front of you. We ask the guests to fill out the card and leave it in the offering plate so we can answer any questions that you may have about WRBC. The other side of the card is for prayer requests. And if the team can be in prayer for you, or if you would like to be part of the prayer team that meets during the 11 a.m. service, fill out the card and place it in the offering plate as it passes. While you're filling out the card, here are a few items of special interest in the life of our church that we would love to bring to your attention. The Association Children's Bible Drill is today at 4 p.m. in the sanctuary. Everyone's invited to come out and support the participants as they show off their knowledge of the Bible. We've been working hard and would love to see you there. Windshape registrations are coming in at a pace faster than last year, so it's important that you get your children signed up soon so they have a better chance of getting the activities they want. With more registrations, the more volunteers that we need to keep the camp running smoothly. Contact Lisa Hauser for more information or sign up online and she'll contact you. You don't have to sign up for the entire week. Even one morning or one afternoon would be a terrific blessing for the ministry. Don't miss out on being part of the best week ever. The annual golf scramble is June 24th, and we're excited that Henry County Country Club is hosting us again. At a $55 entry fee, and with the proceeds going towards missions, you can't beat it, and believe me, it's a great time. See Larry Percival, or sign up to four players online. Also, see Larry if you'd like to sponsor a hole this year. It's a great opportunity to get your organization's name in front of a captive audience. Men, you have one more week to sign up for softball. The $20 fee includes a t-shirt, a stylish garment that you'll treasure forever. I wonder what color we'll have this year. All games are played at Watkins UMC across the street, and it's open for 18 and over. Register online or see Bob Peters in the Family Life Center. Be sure to check the Information Center and our new website at mywrbc.org for more news and events and information about WRBC. Don't miss out on the Church Life emails, and it's even easier to sign up by texting WRBC to 42828. As we strive to connect people with God and others, grow in our mind and spirit through discipleship and study, serve with a willing heart with our time, talents, and treasure, and go out into the world taking the gospel to others, we invite everyone to speak to a minister about what it means to be a member at Westport Road Baptist Church. Thanks for your attention, and as always, feel free to contact the church office if you need more information. Good morning. Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. My name's India. Um, We just want to take the time to welcome you here. We pray that you have felt the love of Christ even as you drove up on the parking lot. Um, You're not here by accident. God has a word to speak to you, and we are just very glad that you're here. Today, we're going to continue our sermon series of More Than Conquerors, and we're going to learn that nothing can separate us. So stand up and greet the ones around you.
Thank you. Please be seated. Good morning. We pray that this morning you sense the Lord's grace that is here to meet us where we are. We're glad that you've joined us in worship in what is a special service as we near the time of graduation for those in the life of our congregation who uh, are about to graduate from high school or college or also from post-graduate. This is a crazy time in the life for many families when there's graduations and celebrating last breakfast and last senior sunrise and last bus ride and all that's going on. And it's a special time for our church to get to celebrate as a community of faith those that God has raised up uh, in in our church to be sent out to different colleges or whether they're staying local, and also to recognize our college graduates that are really literally about to be uh, sent out into the world. We've been using an image with our parents um, here that seems to be pretty powerful. This is the image of, of beads. And if we could say that every single bead represents one week in a child's life. And so at birth... Between birth and graduation, this would be the beads that represent one week of a child's life, about 936 weeks between birth to graduation, of which our graduate, high school graduates are about to enjoy. By the time they hit elementary, it's down to 676. Isn't that crazy? Almost a third of the weeks between graduation and birth are gone. And we progress on to middle school, and we're down to 320, and then to high school to 230, and now... For some of our high school graduates are down to four to five. You know, we are not called to raise children alone, but we are called as a community of faith to support parents, to support kids, and that support continues on. I'd love to hear stories of from this past year of members in the congregation who picked a graduate to send notes to cards. Hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, college can really be tough. It can be a struggle. And you know, that test, you know, don't let it get it down that you got a bad grade. Keep working hard. This is the call to all of us in the congregation to say, we are here to cheer for you. We are here to pray for you. We are here to support you. And that support doesn't end when high school graduation ends. That support doesn't end when college graduation ends. Graduation is a time of transition. And to to, to our three high school graduates we celebrate today, it is a call to faith. It is a call to faith. Studies show that between 40 to 50% of students who graduate uh, in high school and church will walk away from their faith in college. But this does not have to be your story. This does not have to be your story. In fact, if you will participate and go to a church or to a college ministry in your first three weeks, that the longevity of your faith that stands is remarkable. You have the decision to own your faith, to step up, to be a Christ follower on your college campus. And then to our college and postgraduates, congratulations on the significant amount of your achievement. And as the Lord flings you out to such places as grad school or to our public schools or to New York and to other places the Lord is sending you, know that you go uh, with God's spirit inside of you to lead you and to, to empower you to follow him. We are so honored as a part of a family of faith to recognize our high school, college, and postgraduates. In just a minute, I will call your name. And uh, if you'll make your way forward, we have a little gift here. Emily and Chip will greet you at the front, and um, we'll have the chance to honor you and to pray over you. We start with our high school graduates. The first graduate we recognize today is Katie Palacio. (laughs) 
Katie's graduating from Eastern High School, will go to Jefferson Community and Technical College, where she'll plan to transfer to U of L and pursue her degree in early childhood music education. There's your picture. We now recognize Shelby Simpkins. Shelby is a graduate of Christian Academy of Louisville. She's going to the University of Kentucky to major in business management and double minor in Spanish and international business. Next, we recognize Luis Valera. Luis is a graduate from Eastern High School. He will be attending the University of Louisville, where he plans to pursue a degree in business. We now will move on to our college graduates. Uh, we recognize Alex Cowan. Alex, playing bass. It looked pretty epic if you walked out with your bass, but all right. Alex graduated from the University of Louisville with a Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering. He'll graduate in December and finish with his graduate degree uh, at the University of Louisville uh, this December. We now recognize his wife, Katie Cowan. Katie, a graduate of University of Louisville with a Bachelor of Music and Music Therapy and currently works as a music therapist at a personal counseling center. Now we recognize Felipe de la Barra. Felipe is graduating from Miami University with a Bachelor of Arts in Biology. Felipe will attend the University of Kentucky College of Medicine in the fall. We recognize Tara Dodd. Tara also is a graduate at the University of Louisville with a Bachelor of Social Work. Uh, she's been accepted into DePaul University College of Law, where she plans to get uh, a law degree in international law. We now recognize Lucas Jean-Marie. Lucas is graduating from the University of Louisville with a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration. Uh, he will be relocating to New York City to work for Goldman Sachs as a financial analyst and would like to be in uh, investment real estate. Michael McClure, unable to be here, is graduating from the University of Louisville. He's graduating with a Bachelor of Arts in Communication, and he plans to work at Disney in California. Amen to that. We recognize Becca Piercy. Becca's graduating from the University of Louisville with a Bachelor of Arts in English. Her plans are to go to grad school and pursue a degree in teaching secondary English. We recognize Flora Speck. 
Flora is graduating from Indiana University Southeast with a Bachelor of Arts in History. She plans to take a year off and then go for her master's degree. We also recognize today two postgraduate students uh, who are graduating uh, with advanced degrees. Uh, Lauren Beatty. She is graduating with her rank one master's in reading instruction. She plans to continue teaching to change the lives of America's youth. Finally, we recognize Chris Bierman. Chris is graduating from Spalding University with a Master's of Arts in Teaching. Plans to get a job teaching middle school science of social studies. Let's give a hand for our uh, graduates. We're going to have Chip pray a prayer, a blessing uh, over our graduates. Which microphone? I have one on. Let's have a prayer if we could. Father, what a joy it is to see uh, these bright, smiling faces up here, to see uh, all that they've accomplished in the last few years and to look at the future. And indeed, our future is bright when we see these people going out into it. And so our blessing uh, for them, Father, is that you would send them out with your love, with your direction, with your wisdom. Help them to do more than to find a job or to continue a career. Help them to have an impact upon our world for the good. And that is our hope and our prayer for them. In Jesus' name, amen. The final piece of um, Graduate Sunday uh, is we have the chance to award the Sheila Holder Mission Scholarship. Uh, Sheila Holder uh, Mission Scholarship honors the memory of its namesake who lost her battle with leukemia in January 2012, the age of 63. She was the mother, mother-in-law, and grandmother to Westport Road Baptist Church members Chad, Carrie, Catherine, and Eleanor Holder. And the family created the scholarship in her memory in 2012. This $1,000 scholarship is awarded annually to a graduating senior who's active in church and on the mission field, either at home or abroad. And it carries on Sheila's legacy as a strong and active Christian, as a teacher of youth, and as a willing servant on the mission field. Uh, the scholarship can be used toward college expenses or toward a mission trip. Uh, and as her health would allow, Sheila participated in mission trips, the most significant being a 10-day tri trip in her life in Ukraine. The recipient of the Sheila Holder Mission Scholarship exemplifies Jesus' teaching from Matthew 22 to love God and to love others. Uh, we're really excited to get to award this today to Shelby Simpkins. Join me in prayer. God, I thank you that your grace finds us wherever we are. And I thank you that your grace is going to find every college student, every high school student, every postgraduate. I thank you for your grace. We thank you that we get the chance to celebrate the lives of each of these graduates. And I pray that you would teach us as a community of faith how best to foster faith in the lives of our students and our children and our families. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you, guys. That was absolutely beautiful. Well, we've had quite a few conquerors here this morning, conquering high school and college and grad school. So congratulations to all of them. Uh, Anybody here run the mini marathon yesterday? Yeah, one? Man, you people need to get in shape. That's all. Congratulations. Another conqueror over there. You know, this is uh, Derby Week. I don't know if you all knew that, being from Louisville or not. And uh, it's going to be the 44th anniversary of the fastest derby of all time. Anybody know who ran that derby? Secretariat. Secretariat not only ran the fastest derby of all time, then ran the fastest Preakness of all time. And by the time Secretariat got to the Belmont, they said, well, the Belmont's a long race, never going to be able to do it. There's another horse called Sham they thought was surely going to win the Belmont. But as the Belmont got going, Secretariat's lead just kept growing and growing and growing. Got a picture here. At one point, the jockey, Ron Turcotte, literally turns around to see where the other horses are because he doesn't hear any footsteps anywhere, any football. He says, where are they? Uh, You see him turning around there to look. Secretariat would win the Belmont by 31 lengths and set the all-time record, holds all three track records to this very day. 44 years later. So those are some conquerors uh, that we've seen today, but we're going to talk about the greatest conquerors that you've ever seen in your life. We're going to talk about somebody that's a greater conqueror than you could ever imagine. And do you know who it is? It's you. You are a greater conqueror than anything that we've ever talked about. Now, most of us sitting there right now aren't thinking, oh, yeah, I'm a conqueror. You know, come at me if you want. You know, that's not quite how we view ourselves. But we're going to see as we look into our scripture that we are the ones that are more than conquerors. So let's take our Bibles and turn over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 down to verse 31. Now, the background of Romans chapter 8 is really important. In the background, basically what's going on in this. Before in Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about the fact that as Christians, we're not immune to having troubles and hardships. That sometimes we have a lot of problems. And then people ask the question, if I'm a good person, if I'm trying to live a good life, if I'm a Christian, why am I having all these problems? Where's God? And so basically what Paul tells us is, look, you are fallen people. We are not the people we were created to be. Uh, Since the Garden of Eden, we are fallen people. Our bodies get old and decay. We have sin. Uh, People do unimaginably evil things. We are fallen people. But more than that, we are fallen people in a fallen world. And and this planet isn't the planet God created it to be in the Garden of Eden. Uh, You know, things like, like hurricanes and earthquakes and tornadoes and all the natural disasters that we see. That's not God's plan for our planet either. And so he talks in Romans chapter 8 and he says, you know, one day both people and the planet is going to see a renewal and a salvation and a completion to be what we were supposed to be. And then he says, well, what do we do up until that time? If we're fallen people on a fallen planet, that can get pretty depressing. And he says, yeah, but guess what? When you were saved, you became God's child. God is now in your life. There is no problem you will ever face that God will not go through it with you. And any problem you have, God can bring good from. That doesn't mean that everything's going to be good or everything works out the way we want it. But God can bring good in and through anything. Now, that's the background. That's pretty important background 
to where we start off right here. And that brings us to the very first thing we're going to see this morning. God is greater than anything that will ever come against you. So with all that said, look down in our scripture to verse 31. What then shall we say in response to all of these things? Now, what's he talking about here? Everything I've just mentioned. What do I say in response to? It's not a perfect world. We're not perfect people, but God loves us, forgives us, restores us. Uh, he's with us no matter what is going on in our life. One day we're going to go to heaven and find completion, both for our planet and for ourselves. What do we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, that's the question that starts out everything we're going to be talking about today. If God is for you, if God is on your side, then who can be against you? Now, Justin Bieber, everybody knows, man, Justin Bieber, big star, big singer, a lot of money. When Justin Bieber walks down the street, he doesn't walk down the street alone. And it's not just his posse that's with him. When Justin Bieber walks down the street, this is how he walks down the street shopping with a phalanx of bodyguards. Okay, those just aren't some weightlifters that happen to get in the picture. Those are all of Justin Bieber's bodyguards surrounding him in case an Aaron fan might want to come up and get a picture or an autograph or something. So when he walks down the street, he can be pretty confident he's going to be okay. He can have a bit of a swagger as he walks down the street because he's got his bodyguards walking out for him. But what if I told you this? What if I told you when you get up in the morning and you go out to face the world that you're going out with God on your side, not Justin Bieber's bodyguards, that you're going out with the Lord of all the universe, the creator of all things, the one that is in charge of all things, and then you're going out to the world with him. What kind of swagger should you have when you go out into the world? Yeah, that's me. Come on. You know, I've got God on my side. Look at that again. What do we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who's got enough nerve to get in your way? If you're going out into the world with God on your side. Absolutely no one. He goes on in verse 32 and he says, look, he didn't spare his own son. He gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? What a, what a wonderful passage of scripture that is. What he's saying basically is this. Look, how did you come to God in the first place? Let me tell you about your salvation experience. You were lost. You didn't have a hope or a prayer. And God came into your life, intervened, forgave you of your sins, and made you a new person. If God did that when you were in your sins and in rebellion, when you were in your sins and rebellion, if God loved you so much that Jesus died on the cross for you, if God loved you that much when you were in your sin, now that you're saved and a child of God, what's God going to do for you now? You see, sometimes we just think the power of God is limited to our salvation. The power of God isn't just limited to our salvation. That's where it begins in our life. That's just the starting point. But now you have the spirit of God and the strength and the power and the authority of God as you go through each and every single day of your life. God is greater than anything that's going to come against you. I look out in this room and I see the children of God. I see prince and princesses of the king of all creation. And you walk out in the world with that God on your side. What kind of attitude should we have? Well, if that's the case, then our scripture goes on and it talks about, but there are some things that try to derail us from that. 
Yes, God is with us, but what happens if we go out in the world without God on our side? What if we don't really go with God when we go out in the world? And what Paul's going to talk about, he said there's two main things, two big things that attack us when we go out in the world and try to take us away from God and his love. The first is our sins, and what comes from that is regret and guilt. So regret, guilt, our sins are going to try to distract us from the love of God and take us away from God. And he says, not only that, there's a second thing that's going to try to do it, and that's your problems and troubles. Your problems and troubles are going to try to separate you from God and lead you away from him. And so those are going to be two challenges that we are going to face, that we've got to make sure God is on our side when we go out into the world. Because if we don't, these things can easily overcome us. And as a matter of fact, they do overcome us a lot of times when we miss sight of God. So with that said, let's take one at a time. First of all, he says, if God is on your side when you go out into the world, your sins will not condemn you. Our sins will not condemn us. So that's the first thing that he says. Now, our sins often try to condemn us. But look down at verse 34. Who then is the one who condemns? Now, what he's talking about here is think of a court of law and charges have been brought against someone. And so you now have an individual who's had charges brought against them. Uh, They now have got to go to court and they've got to fight the charges. What Paul is saying here in our scripture is, who's going to have enough nerve to bring charges against you if God's the one that's defending you? That's not going to work out very well for them, is it? And so he says, who's going to bring charges against us if God is the one That is defending us. He goes on, look at verse 33. Who will bring any charges against those uh, whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. It is God who justifies. Now, what's the word justify means? Just means to behave in a morally right and acceptable way. How many people here, if I gave you a mirror, would look and say, well, there's a just person who behaves morally right and acceptable. Uh, You might not think that when you looked in the mirror because you know all the problems you have. You know your failures. You know the times that you go away and do things that you shouldn't do. But what our scripture says is you're not depending upon yourself to be just. If you had to depend upon yourself to be just, you know, be afraid. You know, you're not going to get it right a lot of times. But he says it is Christ who justifies us. You see, your sins were taken from you and put, in upon, put upon Jesus on the cross. You were forgiven because of his sacrifice for you. And therefore, it's not you making yourself just and being a good person. It's Jesus dying and taking your sins upon him. So if your sins have been made put upon Jesus and Jesus is making you just, who's going to condemn you now? He's the one that's made you just. There's nothing left to condemn. You're now forgiven and pure and just through what Jesus did to your, with your sins on the cross. Now, what are some things out in the world that do condemn us, though? Well, I think one is the world itself. Uh, you know, the world and the culture in the world, we'll look at it and we'll say things like, you're, you're wrong, you're not good enough, you've messed up, you're a bad person. You might hear that from your parents. You might hear it from teachers. You might hear it from authority figures or your boss or in a relationship that you're in. You're just not good enough. You've messed up. You'll never get it right. And we hear those things from the world, and the world often condemns us. Satan, one of his main tactics will be to condemn you and make you feel guilty. God will never, ever make you feel guilty. 
God wants to make you feel like you want to change your life, not wallow in the fact that you've messed up. There's a big difference uh, between guilt and restoration. Whenever you start feeling guilty and saying, you know, this is something that I want to wallow in, I'm bad, I'm not going to get it right, that's always from Satan. God will always bring you to a point of repentance, not a point of wallowing in your guilt. And so what we have here is we're told, okay, Satan's going to try to make you feel guilty and give up. You're never going to accomplish it. You're never going to get it right. And then perhaps what bothers us the most with our sins and the thing that we have the most forgiveness trouble with is ourselves. We don't want to forgive ourselves. God forgives us. The world might not care one way or another. Satan might have left you alone for a while, but we can't forgive ourselves. And we say, you know, so God forgives us, but we still wallow in that. I've told you this illustration a lot of times, but Billy Graham had a guy come to him one time and said, man, I've just done some terrible things in my life, and I've asked God a thousand times to forgive me. And Graham looked at the man and said, that was 999 times more than you needed to ask God to forgive you. The first time you sincerely asked him, you were forgiven. So sometimes we have trouble forgiving ourselves. So the world, Satan, we have trouble forgiving ourselves. All of those things condemn us. But we're told, who can bring charges against us if God is on our side? Verse 34 again. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. So the world condemns us. Satan condemns us. We can't forgive ourselves. And then Paul says, who's got the nerve to bring charges against you? No one. Because Christ forgave you. And then he goes on and says, he died on the cross for you. But that's not the end of the matter. He didn't just die on the cross for you. He's now raised from the dead, sits at the right hand of God in power and authority, and is taking your case up before God. So who's got enough nerve to get in your way and condemn you? Nobody. Because Jesus is your defense attorney. And so the first thing he talks about is, Sin often condemns us and tries to take us away from God, but through God being on our side, no one can condemn us. Now, he then goes on and he tackles the second one, okay? Our sins cannot condemn us because Jesus is our defense attorney. He's on our side. He then goes on and says, okay, well, what about our problems and our troubles? What about our problems Uh, and our troubles. So look over uh, to verse 35. Our problems and troubles, he tells us, will not separate us from him. Look down to verse 35. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or the sword? So he leaves the sin topic and he starts talking about our problems and troubles. The second thing that happens is you will have problems and troubles. Now your sin is trying to condemn you. It's trying to make you feel guilty and have regrets that you just can't get over. He said, okay, that's been dealt with. But what about the other now? What about when problems and troubles come? Problems and troubles aren't trying to condemn you. Problems and troubles are trying to separate you. They're trying to build a wedge between you and God. Now, how can our problems and troubles build a wedge between us and God? 
Because what we begin to think is, if God loved me, wouldn't he be doing something? I've tried to live a good life, and I still have a problem. I still got sick. A loved one died. I still lost my my job. Uh, uh, How come the world isn't the perfect place I thought it was supposed to be? So where is God? If he really loves me, why isn't God doing something to help me? And so all these questions come into our mind, and our problems and troubles can separate us from God. So he goes on then and he says, okay, what kind of problems and troubles am I talking about? And he tells us hardships, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, the sword. Anything you can think of, anything that is a problem in your life, relationship problems, uh, health problems, problems that you have that come from from work or or school or, or finances or whatever. Any problem that you can imagine in your life is what he's talking about here. So he kind of just throws out a little bucket list there. In verse 36, uh, he quotes from the Psalms and he says, as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep for the slaughter. And so he says, that's how it feels sometimes. We feel like sheep for the slaughter and there doesn't seem to be any hope. And so our Our troubles can separate us from God because our troubles can seem so overwhelming. And so we begin to wonder, is there a way out of this? What can I do? Why isn't God doing any something? Why doesn't God care? Why hasn't he intervened? And that builds a wedge between us and God, the problems and the troubles and the hardships that we have. And it can cause us to do desperate things. When Sylvester Stallone, the, the great uh, actor from the Rocky movies, when Stallone first started into uh, uh, the, the movies, nobody wanted to hire him. He couldn't get a job. He'd written the script for Rocky, but nobody wanted to buy it. He got down to where he had absolutely no money. It was him and his dog, Brutus. He'd had Brutus since Brutus was a little baby. Brutus was a big uh, uh, bulldog. And uh, Brutus was starting to go hungry because Stallone didn't have enough money to pay for himself. And so one day he was walking down the street. Uh, A guy was coming out of a liquor store and he was talking about dogs. Stallone engaged him in a conversation. He said, I can't take care of my dog. I love my dog. I can't take care of him. Will you do something? Will you take my dog? So he sold the man his dog for $25 so that he'd have something to eat that week. $25 sold Brutus. Now, about two weeks later, he sold the script for Rocky with him starring in it. Now, you know the rest of the story. The movie became big. He made tons of money uh, off of Rocky. So the first thing he did was what? Got money, you go back and get Brutus, right? So he goes back to the guy and he says, hey, man, I want to buy my dog back. I know it's been a year and a half or so, but I want to buy my dog back. And the guy says, well, I don't know, you know. And uh, he said, i tell you what, $3,000, I'll sell you Brutus back. And so Sylvester Stallone bought Brutus back for $3,000. And here's a picture when he very first got him back, uh, Rocky and Brutus there. And he has written just recently in his autobiography, the best money I ever spent in my life was $3,000 to buy Brutus back. What you need to understand is that when Jesus went to the cross, he was buying you back. He was taking care of the sin problem that you have, and his resurrection meant that you now know he's going to be with you every single step of the way. And that brings us to the last thing that we see in our scripture. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So he just said, what can separate us from Christ's love? Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine. We feel like we're sheep for the slaughter. We're being killed all day long. But then in verse 37, he starts out with a really interesting word. Okay, we feel like we're sheep for the slaughter. But no, you're not. You are not sheep for the slaughter. Your problems haven't overcome you. They are not the last word. They have not separated you from God. No, in all of these things. Now, what's he talking about when he says in all of these things? In all of these things, persecution, famine, nakedness, the sword, in every problem you may have. No, in every single problem and hardship you have in your life, you are more than conquerors. What an encouraging word. But now here's the problem. And we look at ourselves and we look at our life and what do we say? Oh, that's nice. We're more than conquerors. I don't feel like I'm more than a conqueror. I get up in the morning and I've got anxiety on whether or not I can get dressed and go out to work. I go to work and there's nothing but problems all day long. I feel bad every day because of health issues. A loved one just passed away. I don't feel like I'm more than a conqueror. So go back and read that verse again because it's very important how that verse ends. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The more than conquering isn't something that comes inside of you as an innate ability to go out and take over the world. The more than conquering comes from the fact that there will never be anything that will happen in your life that can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. You see, nowhere in the Bible does it say you're not going to have any problems. Now, somehow we've gotten that that in our mind, but it's not true. As a matter of fact, what the Bible says is you're going to have all kinds of problems. And sometimes your problems are going to start after you become a Christian, not before. Because that's when Satan's really going to get after you. Uh, when you're trying to raise the level of your life. It never says you're not going to have any, have any problems. In Psalm 23, what's it say? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Does it say in that verse, oh, we're never going to have another problem? No, it says when you walk through dark valleys that feel like it's killing you, he's going to take your hand and get you through the other side. That's the promise of scripture. God's love will be with you no matter what you face. I said the background of this passage was so important. The background of the passage are fallen people, fallen world, all kinds of problems, but God's still there with you in everything. And that's exactly what we're being told there. Not that your problems disappear, but you're never going to go through another problem on your own again. Look at verse 38. I am convinced that neither death or life Angels or demons, things present or things to come, no power, no height, no depth, anything in all of creation is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. Even if the problems and hardships you have kill you, he will raise you from the dead to be with him in glory forever. Our scriptures started out when I said the background with we're never going to be perfect in this world. It's never going to be right. Fallen people, fallen world. But God has a better world to come. And while you live in this world, he's going to encourage you and strengthen you and be with you every step of the way. And you're never going to encounter anything 
that he's not going to love you through and encourage you through and make you a conqueror in. I've seen people face some enormous things in their life and facing them with the power and love of Christ makes everything different in the way they live and in the things they do. I read an interesting story this week about a little girl by the name of Daisy who is seven years old. Daisy's had a lot of health issues in her life. She's got a very uh, severe disease. She's already had eight or nine surgeries at seven. Uh, She's in constant pain. And the Dallas Children's Hospital, where she goes, nominated her for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Well, they decided to take Daisy as as one of their people. And they said, where do you want to go? And Daisy's mom asked her, she said, I want to go to Disney World. Now, Daisy is a big Beauty and the Beast fan. You know, the movie just came out. And so, you know, she, she wanted to meet Belle and everything. And so they told Disney, the Make-A-Wish people, is there any way that Disney can set up a meeting between Daisy and Belle when she gets to Disney World? So she gets to Disney World, and as she comes out, uh, she's dressed in her Belle costume. And believe it or not, Belle, here's a picture. Uh, Belle comes out to meet her, and Daisy starts crying. And then uh, Belle comes up and begins to talk to her, and they have a really nice conversation. Daisy leans over, hugs Belle, and said, this is the happiest I've ever been in my life. Thank you for coming and meeting me. And then guess what? What she's told is this. Daisy, I didn't come to meet you. I come to spend the day with you in the park. We're going to ride all the rides together. And so they took off together, walking through the park, uh, having their time together in the park. When it was over uh, and and they hugged and it was gone, Disney characters are never allowed to leave their character's identity. And yet Belle started to cry as Daisy walked off. Now, as that happened, reporters came up to interview Daisy's mom. And this is what she said. My daughter is in constant pain. But for one day, she found joy in this life. This life can be constant pain for some of us sometimes. There's a lot of problems and troubles that will hit us. And the Bible never says that God's there to take it all away. But what it says is you're never going to face anything in your life that God won't go through it with you every single step of the way. When your sins condemn you, Jesus is your defense attorney. When your problems and troubles overwhelm you, he gives you a strength and an encouragement and a hope that goes beyond anything this world could ever imagine and ends with you being with him in glory forever. Those are things that nothing else in this world can provide. You are more than conquerors. There are a lot of things in this world that will try to tear you down. A lot of things that will try to hold you back. But when God is on your side, you can walk out with a swagger because there's nothing that's ever going to keep you from the love of God. This is Graduate Sunday. We just had uh, some of our best and brightest uh, stand up here as they begin uh, a whole new journey, a whole new part of their life. And as you go out, that's the one thing I wanted you to hear. You can meet it with your intelligence and your hard work and your tenacity, and the world will still be a tough place. But when you meet it with the love and the power of God, you know that you are meeting it with a resource that nothing in this world can ever overcome. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for the love you have for us. I just pray, Father, that you would 
Help us to realize that you are always there. You are always with us. Give us the encouragement that we need now. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we come to this invitation, and really the invitation isn't any more than what we've just talked about. Some of you here today, your sins are condemning you. Maybe the world's got it on your mind. You've been told your whole life you're not good enough. You don't measure up. Uh, from, from your parents, your teachers, to bosses, whoever. You've heard it over and over again. Maybe Satan is trying to get in your mind and just, just make you dwell on guilt and regret. And maybe you're at a point in your life where you just can't forgive yourself. You need to deal with that today. Don't walk out of this room with guilt and regret in your life. Jesus died on the cross for you. That was nailed to him. He's the one that justifies. Find that forgiveness. You can pray a prayer there. You can come up and pray with one of our ministers. Just give that over to God. Maybe you're here today and you've got some problems and troubles. Everybody in this room's got problems and troubles. But maybe you're just at a point where you're just, there's nothing left in the tank. And you just want to come up here and, and have a prayer with one of our ministers. It's just a, a prayer of encouragement and hope and, and recognizing that God's with you no matter what you're going through. You can come at this time and say, I want to join this church, be a part of what this church is doing in our community and world. And the most important decision you'll ever make is to say, I want Jesus Christ in my life. And you come to follow him as Lord and Savior. This is your time and your opportunity. We stand together and we sing.
Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. second please uh, brother it's been a good day to be in the house of the lord and one of the things we're excited about as a community is to partner with what god is doing in our city and so we're excited to share a little bit of an opportunity for our church so it was a Friday night about two years ago, and our phone rings, and it's from a number that I, I look for that starts with 595. I knew it was the state of Kentucky calling, and it was a frantic social worker. Hey, we have this eight-month-old baby boy, and he needs a home, and can you, can you help us out? And, and so it took us about 30 seconds to say, sure, bring him on. And so this little guy shows up on our doorstep about two hours later. Uh, he's sunburned. He's eight months old. He's in a tank top and a wet diaper, and that's it. Nothing else, no, no like little bag that came with them, no car seat that came with them. And some of you will remember when we got the call for Sweet Tristan, 
And you'll remember that some of y'all brought diapers and said, here, what can we do to help? And, but see, one of the things we've learned over the last seven years of being foster parents is this is not just Tristan's story. It's not just Mason's story. It's not just John Mark's story. It's not just the other boys' stories that we've had in our home. It's the story of a thousand foster kids that are in Jefferson County. Y'all, a thousand foster kids in our county alone. Somebody's got to do something. So for each of these foster children, they're given a trash bag. And in that trash bag, they stuff all of their life's belongings any time that they move from home to home. But for many of these kids, they don't even have anything to put inside their trash bag to go into that. Friends, that isn't right. On May the 20th, our church is hosting the foster enrichment for, the, for Jefferson County where uh, uh, over 100 some foster parents will come into our church to be trained and equipped how to be foster parents. And what we're asking for our church and our community to do is to bring in clothes, to bring in diapers, to bring in wipes, to bring in toys, and to donate it right outside the boxes that will be there in the next three weeks to come. That foster parents will get the chance to go through, take what they need, and then the state can use this as a resource for when children like Tristan come in and there's nothing to pass them along. So maybe you're sitting out there and you're like us, you're like, hey, I've always wanted to be a foster parent, but for whatever reason I can't. This is an opportunity for you to jump in and be a part of, of being a light in our community. We know what James 127 talks about, religion that's pure and faultless, taking care of the orphans and the widows. And I know they're maybe not the kind of orphans you think of in sub-Saharan Africa, but they're the orphans in our backyard. And this is something that we can do. We would love to partner with you. If you've ever wanted to be a foster parent or a foster grandparent, Josh heard a stat that there's about 240 foster homes in our, in our uh, county. Okay, that's 1,000 kids. That's what, four maybe per home? And we know that there's not four foster kids in every one of those homes. So if you're considering being a foster parent, you just want to ask information and you think, who can I talk to? I don't want to go to the state. Come and talk to us. We would love to. I talk with people every week that are interested. Maybe you want to pray for us. Maybe you're really good at organizing things. Uh-huh. Anybody? Um, I'm not. I'm not organizationally gifted. And so if you're good at organizing, sorting, you think, I would rock this closet, Jacqueline. Come and talk to us. Uh, we would love not just donations, but help in, in launching this ministry in our community. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you've given us a great door at Westport Road Baptist Church to make an impact in our community. And I thank you for the ways that you are opening doors literally for us to partner with the state, to partner with foster parents and social workers. We are excited for the impact, God, that you're raising in our church. We look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Don't leave yet. Come on up, Timothy. This is Timothy Smith. Timothy comes this morning and and uh, wants to be a part of our church is a statement of his faith in Jesus Christ. Is that correct? Amen. Come on up, Sarah. Miss Sarah, this is Sarah Akers. And Sarah comes to us on the promise of a letter from the Allen Baptist Church in Prestonburg, Kentucky. Is that right? Amen. She's a student at New Yorkville and, and uh, feels like that Jesus Christ is leading you here to serve at our church. And, and we're glad that you're a part of it. And we're so glad. Happy for you. Okay. And then Grace Ortega. Grace comes uh, on a promise, uh, a statement of her faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is in your life, and he's in all of ours. And you want to be a part of our church now. Is that correct? Amen. Amen. Now, you all will be praying for these folks, Timothy and, and Grace and Sarah. You will pray for them, will you not? Amen. Amen. Now, our deacons are lined up right over here. Right over here, and uh, they're going to come by and speak to these folks. 
follow in right behind them and introduce yourself to them and tell them you're glad they're a part of our church. Josh. The final person we want to recognize today is India Williams. India did uh, the welcome this morning. India, if you'll make your way forward. She has served as a church intern down at the University of Louisville this year. And um, she's just immersed herself into our congregation. She's been a children's worship leader. Uh, she's been active in planning young adult fall retreat and spring retreat. She's been to Beach Reach in Florida. Uh, she's plugged into DC group and developing herself. And so today is her last uh, day to be our uh, school year intern down at the University of Louisville. So grateful for your service. So grateful for the ways that we can partner with you moving forward. India, we want to have people come along and thank you as well. Hey, it's been a good day. It's been a good day to be in the house of the Lord. We pray that the Lord has spoke spoken to you. And we pray that as you go out, you will know that you are more than a conqueror through Christ who loves us. Go in peace to love and serve our Lord.
enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.